the Spanish announce table. It is episode 423 of the Spanish announce table. It's a lot of Spanish announce table episodes, but we just keep chugging along, man, because that's what we aim to do. We aim to bring you the finest in wrestling journalism. Maybe the term journalism becomes a theme later. Yeah. But Tom, what's new, man? You, you look, you look different, Tom. I got, I got eyeglasses, Tim. I got (laughs) eyeglasses. Another reason why you should be watching the YouTube is I've changed my appearance. I have eyeglasses. You know why? Because my eyes are dying just like Mm. my body. And so I had to get glasses. And so this is the first episode where I'm wearing glasses. They said, do you want contacts? I said, fuck that. I am not on purpose putting things in my eyeballs. I'll put them in front of them, but I will not put that in them. So I uh, got the eyeglasses contacts for nope. 35 years. Nope. 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 Hey, or credit more. to you, but nope. Fuck that. No way. Can't do it. Won't do it. Rockefeller records, all that shit. Ain't doing it. Put it in front of it, but not putting it in it. So I got eyeglasses and that was the big thing of the week. Obviously we are coming off of elimination chamber uh that was something that happened some controversy that we'll talk about here in just a little bit uh before elimination chamber after elimination chamber between two dominant personalities in both the wrestling and i guess mixed martial arts space i don't know if tony Khan really gets too involved in that but uh we'll get to that a little bit later but we also have to talk about as we always do aw dynamite we do aw dynamite was last night and actually, let me take a step back before we get into that. AEW Dynamite, mm-hmm. friend of the show, shout mm. out, friend of the show, rapper, local artist from Kansas City, the Royal Chief, mm-hmm. had his music featured in the debut episode of season two of Bel Air. The yeah. sp- it's not a spinoff. I guess it's like a reimagining. It is. It's of- a. It's a dramatic reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So it's a drama show, right? It's like a Mm -hmm. suspense, cutthroat drama based on the guy getting sent from Philly to live with his rich aunt and uncle in in L.A., right? And Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any of it. It's a Peacock uh, exclusive, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you have the WWE Network, you can check this out. And yeah, the Royal Chief, we had him on. The Tim and Tom show that is now defunct for now, maybe. I don't know, maybe, maybe. And uh, he was awesome. He is awesome. We went out and saw him live. He was just super cool to us. He is a really good rapper. His music is awesome, so you should check him out. Who else is awesome is Jeffrey Sills, a man who is in our YouTube chat right now. He says, shout out, boys. Best tag team since the body Donna's. That is high praise. That's a good shout out. That is a good shout out. And you could join us in the YouTube live chat. We do this show Thursday nights about 7.15-ish in U.S. Central Time, the one true time zone. Uh, So follow us, you know, follow Twitter if if that has to adjust over the weeks or times because it's a free podcast and you get what you get. That said, check out our pro wrestling tees, buy a t-shirt or donate on Spanish Announce Table, a dot, a net. Uh, There's donate buttons there. We have a cash app that's just Spanish Announce Table. Uh, Kind of help us. Uh, maybe keep things more consistent. Maybe uh, give you a better product, right? Uh, and just show keep the lights us. on. And we love you. And we want you to join in, chat with us live, chat with the other folks chatting live, or just check us out. Use hashtag tweet the table on Twitter at table show is what we are. So follow us. 
uh, you can chime in there and we'll read one of those later in this episode because we like to we like to talk to you we like to make wrestling friends so please be our friend as we talk about right now aw dynamite it sounds like yeah so let's talk about it last night was pretty fun episode and it kicked off with a really really fun title match for the all-atlantic championship it was champion orange cassidy taking on challenger and former best friend now blackpool combat club member willer yuda and tim uh, what'd you think of this? This was our first uh, matchup and man, we got right to it, at least with the stories and the in-ring action. Yeah, I liked this. Ultimately coming out of it, I was like, I really like this one. It was a really good match uh, when it was all said and done, right? These guys gave a lot of effort. They did their spots. My worry as I was starting it was I just kind of went back to thinking about, <clears throat> in my mind, the totality of Orange Cassidy and everything we've known him to be. And I just thought, man, you know, these matches are really about the opponent at this point because orange cassidy is going to get his shit in and he kind of does the same thing every time like so the picture is painted kind of by the other person right and i was like i don't know if that's the greatest thing necessarily for orange cassidy right um but that said the picture they painted was great right i mean will yuda is good here i like that aspect that they're doing now where it, it feels like we're getting blackpool combat club to be a little more dirty a little more heelish a little mm-hmm. more angry, mm-hmm. a little more exclusive, right? So we played into this best friends, hey, give me a hug, right? We we used to be pals, and, and Willer was there for a half a second maybe, or maybe just kind of considering until Claudia was like, Mm-mm. hey, you get over here. Got a little bit more of that I'm ordering you here uh, aspect, right? Um, yeah, I thought it was good overall. What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was really good. I also thought... Uh, the Friday before on Rampage, the promo that led into this uh, matchup was really good too, because Yuta talked about, Hey, look at me. I'm now rolling with the three baddest dudes. You never taught me anything. Now I'm learning from the best. And orange Cassidy said, yeah, I didn't teach you anything. Cause we're best friends. I thought that's the thing. And Yuta has a kind of a realization of like, Oh shit, maybe I misread this whole thing incorrectly but then he doubles down he's like well you don't respect that title i'm gonna take it off you right so then we get into this matchup and orange cassidy tries to start it off with a handshake yuda's like fuck off even though he's the ring of honor pure champion and that's what they do but i get it with this because again the friendship aspect from uh previous blackpool combat club membership but yeah it was it was this kind of thing where they knew each other's moves Orange Cassidy was maybe a, a step ahead of him the entire time. Yuta was obviously showing more uh, violence, more aggression than probably Orange Cassidy's other opponents have uh, in the past. I will say this was probably the most interesting matchup for Orange Cassidy as All-Atlantic champion. Now, he's had good matches, but from a storyline perspective of how he's going to deal with Yuta post-match after he won, how he was going to in things or continue things with Yuta. And then Claudio comes out and was like, no, 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 no. You ain't no, we're, we're like full combat club. Come over here. So I guess my question to you is we're two weeks, I guess, or one more week of television. And then it's the pay-per-view. Do you think we run this back as like a pre-show match? A, what do you think? Are we continuing this? Or is this just a Yuta gets told, He's Blackpool Combat Club for life and deal with it. Or is it, 
maybe he I wants think, to go back to best friends. Yeah, maybe it's you get a little bit of both. Maybe I think we're gonna get the run back, right? We'll get this match again, and it really establishes the exclusivity of the Blackpool Combat Club, right? So maybe he's hovering there a little bit, uh, and that's some of the story we tell leading up to this match, where Wheeler's like, uh, I don't know, but then he he's ride or die with the Combat Club at the event and might slash a motherfucker's throat you know what i'm saying like he might just mm, give him the neck twist right give him the kccp and say bcc for life well speaking of that speaking of that kind of uh, aggression and uh kind of visceral reaction to the other circumstances in your life Mm. We had Evil Uno after this match give a backstage promo with John Moxley or about John Moxley with Hangman Adam Page. Again, the thing that I feel like we could do a little bit better of, especially with this segment, because Hangman's talked about it in the past where he does a backstage interview and it's always Renee Paquette where he's getting aggravated. He's like, I'm, I'm telling you that I'm going to kick your husband's ass. I don't feel good about that. Why is it always you? Right. And so with this one, it was her again talking to Evil Uno about how Evil Uno is going to fight her husband. So this is the only time I would say Alex Marvez could have been better in this spot. Yes. So I get the idea of, hey, as a company, we we only have a few personalities maybe. And so Renee's doing all the interviews. However, it is, even if that were the case, let's say again, if we're, if we're, if we're in kayfabe, if we're believing this is real and we're watching a live fighting organization, the person involved romantically with the subject matter would might recuse themselves and we have somebody else doing the interview. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, as you're mentioning yeah, to- here, when we're talking about John Moxley's opponents, maybe Renee is not the correct person. Yeah, and I I don't think it needs to be a complete ban. You know what I mean? If it's just John Moxley taking on surprise opponent and we need to get a word from the surprise opponent, Renee Paquette's fine. First match, but but these are blood feuds. Yes, that's the Literally. And so if you take this to a real analogy, over in the UFC, uh, when he was fighting, he's now retired, but Joseph Benavidez was always in title contention and his wife, Megan Olivi, who was a backstage reporter, never did the interviews of her husband. You know, they were dating and then they got married. So she never did that. So like you can apply real life circumstances, as you were mentioning, to this circumstance here. So that was the only thing that was a little bit of a miss, but that's a little splitting of the hairs. Really, Evil Uno came out here and was like, I'm kicking the shit out of Moxley. And Hangman, you're staying back. Hangman, you're staying back. And Hangman's like, okay, fine. I I tell you what, Evil Uno, I think we've liked Evil Uno a little bit more each time we've seen him the last, I don't know, seven or eight times we've seen the guy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, ever since. Ever since the the run into the pole, right? Is that where you're going? (laughs) Ever since that, that moment, I think, I've turned the corner on Evil Uno. That wasn't the thing where I was like, I like this guy. I just, ever since then, he's done nothing but, like, improved every time, I feel like. I felt like even though the story was kind of haphazard and start and stops, but when they did the dark order dissension and it was one half chose of why they shouldn't help hangman and the other chose why they should choose hangman and evil Uno was representing one of those sides. That's when I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy's fucking good. 
and he can do some shit. Now, that's a foreshadow, and we'll get into the main event because uh, again, we're going into uh, chronological order here. But yeah, so Evil Uno just says, uh, Moxley, watch your ass. Hangman, keep your ass back here. There was a lot of ass talk, even though he didn't say the word. It was just me. Uh, then we get back into the ring. And this is a miss, man. I really thought we were going to do something fucking cool here. And mm, so Ricky Starks is walking out. Mm. Ricky Starks walks out and he's like, hey, I get it. I've been wanting to fight Jericho again. I beat him, but apparently he do not want to fight me again. Sucks for me. But I've got an open contract. So at Revolution, anyone wants to step up, come sign this contract. And Jericho walks out and it's just like, fuck, man. And here's where it really kicked me in the dick on this one is Jericho's like, oh, you're just trying to goat me out here. Well, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And then Ricky Starks like, fine, then. All right, cool. Then it's not you. So someone else will come out and fucking pretty Peter Avalon walks out. And I'm like, hell yeah. Make that shit happen. I'm down with pretty Peter Avalon, especially in a pay-per-view where you could get him pulled to the ring and that bed, that makeshift bed that he has and the music. He's fucking awesome. But he makes it, what, five steps, takes a Judas effect because on top of a Judas effect, Jericho's wearing this outdated spike jacket that he stole from the cover band of Kiss. And hits him, hits Peter Avalon in the face. And then walks down there and was like, oh, yeah, you just didn't. Well, how about this? I'll even say JS isn't even allowed. And I signed it. And Ricky Starks like, oh, man. And Jericho's like, the the thing is, you can't ever outsmart me. And Ricky Starks like, I kind of did. So as a standalone segment, and again, this is where... Post year three, I feel like I'm starting to say this more and more, and I don't know if it's a good thing, where in in the segment by itself, if I were just to show you, hey, here's a pro wrestling thing I watched, and you were to watch it with no context of their prior feuds or anything like that, I think you would agree. Good segment. Fun segment. The baby face outsmarted him to get what he really wanted. Ha ha ha. But... That segment then just essentially got rid of two months of storytelling that we did with yes. Action Andretti and uh, Sammy Guevara and uh, Garcia and all this shit. And it was just like, that was fucking dumb. Again, the segment itself, good. The story, though, disjointed and kind of stupid. What do you think? Yeah, it it makes me feel conflicted in that... I'm glad they shored up this storyline with something better than what they had been giving us, right? Ricky Starks at least outsmarted him. We get a, a, a believable reason for Jericho to be like, hold on, hold on, you're you're walking away from me? Nah. But if that's what we were going to do, and maybe, again, maybe they didn't know where they were going when they started this, but if that's what they were going to do, man, you could have told a great story going up here that still might have made sense where it's like, where it's like, oh, I actually beat Jericho. Um, and even if you were like, hey, I won another match because you said, you know, I barely beat you or whatever it was. Well, I'm going to prove it. And Jericho's like, no. And he's like, all right, well, fine. Then I'm going to move on. And then he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> right? Like, you don't move on. I told you you're moving on. Right? Like that kind of thing. That could have been fine. 
Yeah, it undid all of it, though. That's what kind of, I mean, like, I'm glad they at least did that. But I just, I don't know that it's enough to move enough people. Like, people were already behind Ricky Starks, right? This didn't help him get more over, I feel like. The crowd was already there, right? First of all, this Mm -hmm. crowd was hot and was going to cheer for a lot of things. The pin click. Yeah. You know, like, which, again, was fun. But. Like, they they were just going to cheer anything. So I just don't know mm-hmm. that, like, this did Ricky Starks a whole lot of favors. I think this, where we're at now, is better than anywhere we've been in the storyline. So it feels weird to complain about it, I guess. But it just, I, all of it's been a kind of a, I, I hope we can get this done kind of a feeling for me. Yeah, because it feels like, again, Jericho in the mid card is the suck of AEW, where he just <laughs> sucks you into this thing where you're going to get a lot of TV time. But the crowd and the reaction is probably more so just apathy and just, oh, okay, it's fun to sing this you know song. What it is? It's a it. lot of smirks. Whenever Jericho's on, we smirk a lot, right? We get a pin in click. In the main event. Or in the, right? yeah, in the, uh, in the mid Just whatever segment. Just whatever segment here. Yeah, since he's been doing this, right? The mid card run since yeah. he was not Le Champion anymore. This has been the gimmick, right? He comes out, he says some shit. He wiggles his dick a little bit. He makes a snide remark. They repeat it for six weeks. Yeah. And, or, or we get the pin click or something like that. We just do, we do a, like a few, there's a moment. It feels like every couple of weeks where we're like, all right, that was funny. Yeah, but it, it's not enough to where I want to watch next week. Exactly. I don't want to watch this match. I don't. I think Ricky Starks oh, yeah. is past, past the, Ricky Starks is past the point of needing a win to be validated for the position he's currently in, right? Sometimes you do need that. You need that for bad guys to be real villains. You need that for heroes to be believable and we like, but Ricky Starks is past that. Ricky Starks is already doing the stuff. Jericho feels like he's dragging him back down to like, hey, you're at the starting point. And he's like, brother, I've already lapped this t- two times. I don't need this shit. And that's the issue there is that it, it's like you're saying, we did this match already. Now, there's plenty of times we get rematches, but the storyline didn't ever tell the reason, well, why we would be getting a rematch or why he would want a rematch. Yep. But for us, the viewer, taking it in, this wasn't, we didn't look at at Starks versus Jericho 1 as an all-time banger, right? We weren't begging for number two. I don't even remember it. I just know he won. Like, I don't even remember. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, number two doesn't excite me in any way whatsoever. Yeah, and I just think, to me, if you want to be the alternative, the true alternative to WWE and really anything else, I think we're at the point where we want to see matchups that are more fresh and intriguing. No offense to Jericho, but as we've said before, and I'll say it again, post MJF story after he did the five labors of Jericho and did that match where he won, but should have lost. That's it for me, for me. I don't, nothing about Jericho moves the needle of what he's doing. Even when he was doing the Blackpool combat club, Eddie Kingston stuff, nothing for me. And so it's like, I'd rather see Ricky Starks go up against a contemporary. I want to see what it looks like if he were to go up against, not Powerhouse Hobbs, obviously, but Wardlow. Have Wardlow and Ricky Starks. That's more intriguing because what are they going to do? What's the story? With Jericho, it's like, oh, we know the steps Ricky Starks and Samoa Joe. Yeah, it's just the the steps with Jericho. 
not that he's new star or anything as Samoa Joe, but it would be a new feud. Yeah, it, but it's just the steps with Jericho are pretty established, yeah. so you know what you're going to get more often than not if it's not with MJF. And so it's like, man, I'm I'm just not into it. But anyhow, that, uh, that five labors of Jericho. I it's not my place to tell somebody when they should retire, of course. But that's it should have been. Felt. That's where we were. Yeah. That's that's what the story they were telling was it not? Mm-hmm. What did I miss? Yeah, yeah. That Tony Khan must have said, no, no, here. Take more of this money. Like, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah, this feels like now we had the moment, like when Undertaker had the moment when he lost the the streak, and now we're in this mode of like, okay, man, we missed it, but let's try one more time to get back there. And it's like we, as the audience, are like, nah, we're good. Now okay. it's AJ Styles in a in a cinematic match. It's like, right, yeah, like, right, yeah, whatever, yeah, sure, this is cool. done. Yeah, neat. Should've it was fun. It right there, exactly. When Brock Lesnar beat him. He should have. It should have been somebody else. But when Brock Lesnar did it, it should have been it. Exactly. So let's get back into the ring here. We have a tag team match. It's Lee yeah. Moriarty taking on uh, Lee Moriarty and Morrissey taking on the acclaimed and the acclaimed come out here, get a good reaction. They do all their fun stuff. And I mean, this hit all the notes of an acclaimed match. You get the fun rap. You get the guns beating up Billy, their dad. Cause Oh man, you can't beat up your dad. I have, but you can't beat up your dad. Um, and then pretty sure I could now. You never fought your dad growing up. You never got into a fist fight. With dad. My dad was a police officer when I was like a teenager. So I didn't really have any chance if I ever try, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that idea. I think there was a time or two and he just picked me up and kind of flung me up against the wall. And I was like, yep, noted. I was like, no, not there yet. Right. But did your dad ever go age, you? Once did I came of ever... age. Go walk after well, you. My dad did I that. Mean, and my dad yeah, did I mean, that. yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, like, I I was tossed around several times when when it was deemed so needed, I guess. Um, but, yeah, when I, whenever I tried to take a swing on him, it was young enough where he was still, it wasn't going to happen. And right. then we've never had that issue arise. Well, good for you. Of age. Yeah. No, he's in. He's several states away now at this point. So you know, During the Trump years, there might have been some. There might have been some blows. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh so yeah, you get the you get the sons beating up the dad, and then you get the mic drop, uh, you know, big elbow, uh, the acclaimed win. Nothing bad here. Again, just as I mentioned with the Jericho and Starks segment, if I showed you this by itself, you'd be like, Oh, well, what's gonna happen with the that yeah. tag team and the champs? Well, they're gonna wrestle, but anyhow. So this yeah, I didn't I didn't feel much from this either. Again, I, I'm at the point I we I warned about this kind of right at the peak of acclaim. I said we gotta be thinking about what's next for the acclaim besides everybody's scissor me party. It's gonna get old before we want it to get old, right? Credit to the crowd though. I will say they tried to create a new chant with scissor zona. Scissor zona they tried to do in the crowd. Credit to you. For for thinking outside the box, I don't yeah, know if that's going to catch good. on. I don't think if they come well, to Kansas City, we're there. Call it, well, I don't think they're if when they come to Kansas City in March, we're going to say Scissor City, right? Scissor City. I mean, maybe we'll. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you get yeah. what I'm saying. It was good job, good job. Uh, all right, then after commercial break, this is where you got to be careful because 
well, I'll save what I think after we talk about it. Christian Cage walks out. He's going to do an interview. Hey, I'm going to get interviewed. And he gets four steps out to the ramp and Jungle Boy fucking jumps him. And he's beating him up. Pow, 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 pow. Hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you. Guess what, motherfucker? Concerto time. Grabs two uh, chairs, throws one underneath his head, puts the chair up, has a crisis of conscience. Christian then goes, ah, I got you in the dick. And then we turn the tables. Christian then beats the hell out of him. He cuts up Jungle Boy. And Christian does it to, to Jungle Boy, the concerto. What? Segment over. What would you think of that? Well, I thought we were getting Luchasaurus when mm-hmm. when Jungle Boy was hesitating. I, I liked how they pulled this one off. I will say that. I will say... You know, him giving him the old, you know, ovarian delight. And then the camera angle they had when he takes that chair and hits him in the face was spot on. I was like, that was that was a great angle. It looked like he just racked him like real hard right in the face. And maybe he did. Fuck it. I don't know. Um, so it all looked, again, as a standalone segment. If I'm showing somebody first time, like, watch this, I think they pulled all of that off very well. I'm still a little worried about... Man, it's hard to recreate the magic that was when you didn't get when you weren't able to like get the payoff. We were there With all the out. Injury. Yeah. We were expecting right. It's hard to recreate that sometimes. And I think the Jungle Boy fever has lost a lot of its oomph, right? You know. Uh well, the temperature's toned down a little. So I just don't know that we're gonna get there. I'm a little worried. So I didn't like this segment at all. I mean, I liked you know, it was fun, but it wasn't good. And this is why. Jungle Boy jumped Christian. Of mm-hmm. course, Christian's going to fight back, and then he looks better than him. So why the fuck do I like this loser Jungle Boy? Like, those are the things that you can't do to your baby faces. It'd be one thing if Jungle Boy just walked out and like, Christian, you motherfucker, I, why did you do that last week? And then Christian pushes him, and then a scuffle, and then or Christian Or if he had an ambush waiting for him, kind of like I thought yeah. with Luchasaurus. Right, right. But if, but if you ambush me and then i in turn defend myself and then beat you up i'm not the bad guy you are for jumping me like yeah well the way i think you save that is if he then says kind of what we already did with the mjf trying to say to brian danielson of like ha this is why you suck because you don't have what it takes like you hesitated. You could have gave me the chair. Now look at you. I'm standing over you, dancing on you, because you're a fucking bitch, right? Like that, that. But we didn't get that, right? And if we get that next week, so be it. But as I said, as a standalone segment, you're missing it here. And and somebody could take away what you said. You're like that Jungle Boy sucks. Yeah, like, yeah that's what I he took got away. I was like sneak attack, and you still lost. Yeah, like, why are we booing Christian? Jungle Boy jumped him. That's what I said on our Twitter at Table Show when I was live tweeting is, I wouldn't boo Christian. I'd laugh at Jungle Boy. Like, you fucking dork. You tried to beat him up, and you couldn't. Well, you should never laugh at Christian. Well, that's true. But also, (laughs) like, this is where, yeah, man, you can't do this to baby faces because you look like an idiot. Look, I'm... I, I may be out of the norm here, but whenever we've talked about the AW pillars all along, Jungle Boy has probably been the one that I've been the least hot on. 
right? Well, yeah, but that that's just talking about like how you feel about the individual character. I'm talking about you put any baby face in that situation. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I'm saying no, it's, I'm it's saying, not good business practice. Period. Yeah, I get yeah. That. You put Brian Danielson there. You put. CM Punk, you go over to WWE, you put Sami Zayn yeah. or Cody or well, they, they all look, look weak fucking, or they don't they look, look cutthroat dumb. or they don't look like they know what they're doing. Yeah, they look like they can get bested by an elderly veteran. Yeah, they look like an idiot. Like it looks like an elderly skinny guy, skinny fat guy. Yeah, it just right. It, it just looked dumb. Yeah, it just looked dumb to me. So let's move on. Uh, we got a quick video package of Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. That's still on track. I still think we need to do some more, maybe face to face or something, something different. But it was still hey, good. Listen, nothing different. I, yeah, and like, listen, I got it. I heard you. The story why you grew out your hair because your dad looked like Bob Ross. That's cool. But like, I don't. I, I remember when Brock Lesnar told Heath Slater, "I don't give a shit about your kids." Like, man, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I don't want to say I don't give a shit about your dad, Wardlow, but we got five minutes of ever hearing about your dad and what he meant to you ever, and I'm supposed to, like, buy in. Well, but come on now. Yeah, that's a dad. Now, that's just you being a, come on, that's a little harsh. Oh, I don't, why, why do I think you care about your dad? Like, that's, come on. You don't have to talk about your dad every week to know that you love your dad, uh, yeah, generally guess. speaking. Yeah, you know I guess. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but I just, it's, it's, uh, that's where I'm coming from. I'm like, all right, this isn't enough for me here. We need something more where well, we should have got a segment here. Samojo should have done saying. something else also. Instead of them just going like, remember the hair. Yeah, I remember the yeah. hair, but fuck you. Right? Like, okay, we got that last week and the week before. That's what I'm saying is it shouldn't have been a video package. It should have been maybe what MJF and Brian Danielson does a little bit later is, you know, a pull apart, something like that. That would have hit a little bit better than another style. Shave his beard this time. Hold him down. Shave his beard. We want his eyebrows next. I mean, yes. All right. Hey, so we get back (laughs) into the ring and it's at the top of the hour, not before the main event, Tim tell you what, what the fuck is going on with Tony Khan? He's all types of weirdness. Well, we'll talk about that little statement. More on that later, huh? Later. But we get the women's match. I love cocaine and journalism. Everybody knows that about me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we get the women's match at the top of the hour. We get we get Soraya taking on Sky Blue. And this is your standard Soraya's the bad heel. Sky Blue is the up and coming baby face. Everything hit the notes at the end. Uh, Soraya wins with that cool looking finisher that actually kind of doesn't look like it hurts. Actually, I prefer to like, Hey, pop my back. It looks like a good back popper. Um, but she wins and then they go to beat her up and here comes the now baby faces, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter. They run her off and her and Tony storm then come up the ramp. And then Ruby Soho's fucking dumbass has to walk up there and it's like, I don't care about you guys. I want the title. So fucking what? Dumb shit. So does every other woman on this roster. Like, Yeah, but the, I, I forgive your... that because so does everybody. They always jumping in. Uh, you know, like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, of course you want the title, right? Now, what I will say is this. I think you've been right all along. And all of that, the Ruby Soho stuff, is just a ploy to make us focus and be distracted in this where does Ruby Soho lie? Because it's not going to matter where Ruby Soho lies in the end. 
because Britt Baker is going to be the Hulk Hogan of this NWO team. And right. I, I, all the body language reads that way now that you said it. That's the only way I can see it. She's so happy. She's so team supportive when she has never been that. She's yeah. always talked the game, but you can see in her body language, she's like, bitch, you better respect that I'm the fucking queen shit here. But now she's all yay team standing in the back while haters giving all the speeches. I don't buy it for a hot second now. And yeah. yes. So I think the Ruby Soho out there like, I want the title. So now we're all like still in this like, what is Ruby Soho doing? Where does she... Who is she? And it's not going to matter. As we're it's looking over there, it's going to be KCCP, Britt Baker yeah. doing the DX crotch chop over somebody's face. Yeah, I agree. I just, it just similar to Jungle Boy jumping someone and then getting beat up. You look stupid. Saying that you want the title does nothing for me because Hikaru Shida, Nyla Rose, yeah. um, you know all of them real all of them want a title shot yeah i want a title so like, shot <laughs> yeah so like fuck off i don't like it makes me not yeah. care you know what i mean so well, yeah well it's just it's it's like a yeah okay of course right like everybody right. does it right now i understand uh, we've said this right the the idea and triple h was famous i think for saying the line of if if you're not in this game to be the world the world champion then you're you shouldn't be in the business, right? Like you shouldn't be here, right? You need that right. kind of mentality. So of course, right? I'm doing, of course, right? You want but the that title. to be your story, but that for that to yeah. be your I just, story, when maybe you just kind of start attacking story. her, right? But 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 I think maybe that's going too far because they're trying to say, where's Ruby Soho yeah. lying in here? Yeah, Mer, that's what yeah. I have to say about that. We could have manufactured <laughs> it a different way, but I think that's all they were trying to do there was was spin the idea that. We don't know, like, oh, maybe Ruby's on the on the WWE side now. We're just going to call it the WWE side, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah of course. All right. The so outsiders. then after that, I mean, that's really what they are. Uh, so now we go back into Dude, the if ring. They would, right? If one of them would come out in the long leather pants with the red, right, the outsiders on the back like Kevin Nash did, I, I, yeah, get the blood dripping down like Scott Hall on, on somebody's shorts there. Come on. The outsiders. I like it. Let's do it. All right. So then we get Brian Danielson in the ring and he's saying, Hey, Brian Danielson's ready to do everything he can to win the world title. And he's like, uh, he's going to hurt him for hurting Regal. He's going to hurt him for all this stuff. But before he even really gets to his point, cause he really just kind of says standard stock babyface stuff, right? I'm going to hurt you because you're not a good person. Here comes MJF looking like he hasn't slept in six weeks. And he's walking out and he looks haggard and he goes, you know why I hate you MJF is because you have a family. I had someone. I loved her. We got engaged. I said, I want all these things. And she left me. So the only thing that I have that's always been with me that I can make sure that it will always be with me is this triple B world championship, the AEW world championship. And for you to have all these concussions and still want this, even though you have what I want, and that's the family and the kids and all that. You're a fucking prick. I don't. I hate you for that. Makes a good point. Yeah. Don't know really what has to do with an Iron Man match, nonetheless. Um, but he's like, that's why I don't like you. It's because you're a fucking prick. And you know what I'm gonna do? Since I can't have a family, and you have a family, and you want my thing when you really shouldn't because you have the thing that's the best thing in the world, 
I'm going to fucking ruin you in front of your mm-hmm. family. And he talks about uh, Bernie. And then he gets in the ring. And he's like, I'm going to give you CT or whatever. And then they just knock down, drag out fight. What do you think of the promo? Uh, I feel like we got to the spot that we're in a few weeks ago. And we haven't been able to do anything since. It's that we we know the motivations here. We know what, you know, we, we get it. And he, MJF just has to keep going out and be an asshole. And he can do that very well. He can do that better than most. Mm-hmm. And he did that here. But it's what he did last week, wasn't it? I mean, it just kind of feels like we've been here. And I feel like they're doing a lot of that right now. I felt like they they worked up some decent storylines coming up for Revolution but we didn't map out how we're going to get there very well. We, we kind of shut our load already and we've already predetermined or predefined what everything is now, but we've still got a couple weeks to get there. So that's how I felt with this. Uh, by the way, um, if you're just joining us live on the chat, that's because we had a little technical difficulties and we weren't actually live the whole time. Tom, you're just figuring this out now. Uh, so, I'll post the whole show later when we're done here so you can go back and watch uh, the whole thing that you will have missed from the beginning because we record on the back end because we're used to this by now. We've done the technical difficulty game quite a bit. we got backups on backups on backups. Man, I... We already talked about you, so you need to go back and and, uh, because we love you and anybody else that's joined the chat live. But yeah, MJF here, great. You know, I just... The one thing that hit me at the end is... I don't think early onset CTE is a thing. <laughs> it's not. It's I think not it's a, a progressive. It's a, but it's a thing. But yeah, it's not. Yeah. A re- it's just. It's, a, it's you, a you, you can get CTE, but like early onset would imply that like it's happening earlier than one would expect due to age or something. Like CTE is due to like it. Yeah, I was like, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too technical in the in the medical definitions here, but to me. To me, I I agree with you. I think we had a good uh, card written down on paper when we said, hey, our uh, pay-per-view matches are going to be this. One, two, three, four, five. We're going to make this a gimmick, that a gimmick, this a gimmick. There you go. Done. And then to get there, specifically with this and also with the Jericho, like I said, to a lesser extent, Moxley and Hangman is probably the third story. But the two main stories that we've been told beat over the head with week after week has been Jericho and Ricky Starks and MJF and Brian Danielson. And with both stories, it's 10, it's 10 different ideas told all at the same time, because specifically with this talking about the world championship picture, we've said 9 million things. It feels like we said, Brian Danielson is going to embarrass MJF because he's not a real wrestler. So that's the reason for the Iron Man match. Okay. But then we kind of stopped on that. Then we said MJF is a real monster and he's going to show you as he, as you, he makes you go through all these competitors. He goes through the competitors. We kind of stopped that. Then MJF says, you don't have what it takes to be the devil. I'll tell you how I was the devil. I did this. And then we stopped. And now it's, well, I really hate you because I, you have a family and I want a family and I can't have it. So, like, what is it? Yeah. That's four but, different things. Yeah, and all of them good. All Again, this yeah. is what we said. MJF is good at it, right? Lost in some of the sauce here 
is that all of those in standalone different feuds are all great motivations and they're great heel motivations because it's that subtlety where we've talked about where it's yeah that that makes sense right like that that sounds like a good origin story for a villain it also with mjf has another great subtlety of being like okay that sounds good but it also sounds like it's just something that you understand people might feel that and so you're just saying it but you don't really feel that way we don't believe you right like so all that's fine but again like you said that's been four different things so which one is it now now it just feels like man you're just we're just again we're stalling it just feels like we we haven't hit it too early yeah, we're on a highway with four lanes and we're just not deciding on what lane to drive in. That's the, my thing. These four ideas could be four different stories. You could have for the All-Atlantic Championship, Orange Cassidy, you're not a real wrestler. I'm the real wrestler. Let's do a 30-minute Iron Man match. That's one story. Then you could do another one where Christian says to Jungle Boy, you're not the real devil. Watch me be the real devil. That's your second one. Then the third one could be uh this one here where i've always wanted a family and i have this thing that is my family and you want to take that from me and that's why i hate you those are three different matches but we've told all of that shit in this one Uh, not well uh, honestly that one it kind of upsets me because like that's a great story that i never even thought of for a heel to be like it's because you're the fucking happy family guy you think i don't want that shit why do you think Mm -hmm. i'm this way you motherfucker (laughs) Right, like you know nothing about me, right? Which again, you know, maybe a pro wrestling purist might tell me that's wrong because you're supposed to just hate a heel. They're just supposed to be evil and hatred. But like, that's great storytelling to me, right? Because you're like, ah, but I don't like the guy who's who's you know like an evil you know car used car salesman here. But yet, ah, I get it. I get why he's angry. Well, and that's when the best stories are told. That's why we liked MJF versus CM Punk so much is because we had the origin story. We stuck with the story and we got to the finish line. Now, again, they were going to do something else afterwards. That's beside the point. But that story by itself was what made it so good is it was one story. We peeled back the onions and we told it well. This is is a jambalaya of half cool things that isn't fully cooked. Yeah, I uh, shout out to Jeffrey Sills in the chat. And a reminder, anybody just joining us live, uh, uh, chat with us, right? Jeffrey Sills says, it also feels like he's trying to make Brian Danielson second guess who MJF is. By the way, Max is getting jacked as fuck. He looks like Super Shredder after he takes the ooze. And I noticed that too. Now, I mean, I think he went out of his way to wear an extra medium shirt. But yeah, I mean, he's... He's definitely hitting the plates. And that'll help him there. Oh. But for for this storyline, I just I'm with you here. It's like, I, man, we've done too much here, and at this point, I don't know. Like, it's they've gone. It's jumping the shark, maybe. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Where now it's 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 more underwhelming than it should have been. Yeah, because then what's next week? Well, Brian Danielson actually hates MJF because yeah. he was an original and he couldn't take this company to new heights. Because like, when is revolution? Like, how many weeks we got to do this? We got one more. Okay, that's it. All right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But then next week, is it, well, Brian yeah, we Danielson's motivation is this. And it's like, well, fuck, guys. Come on. What are we doing here? Because remember this. This, this jambalaya half story has been told so many different times Takeshita was in this motherfucker for a couple weeks remember when that was a thing 
And now we're just said, well, fuck that guy. He couldn't get back over here to America, probably. And so we're just going to fucking forget about uh, He'll be at the glory sense. hole. At the next glory Something. hole that they do. I, yeah, I don't know. But anyway. All right. So then after that, they do a knockdown drag out fight. By the way, it ended with, I think, man, if it wasn't a real knockout punch, MJF sold it like it was. Brian Danielson hits him and he's folded. He didn't like yeah. wrestling fall. He felt like he got knocked out. Maybe he oh, got that it. Scared me. Maybe, oh, that's maybe he caught a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Um, but then we go backstage. Jamie Hader. Hey, maybe he said, okay, we can do this angle. Don't use our actual name. And he was like, fuck him. And then he's like, all right, fucking <laughs> give you one of the, how's your father? Well, and that was, and that was another <laughs> thing where it kind of fell hollow where Brian Danielson says, you talk about my kids, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And then MJF just does. And Danielson just stood there and waited until he got into the ring. I was like, you should have yeah, went after Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, that's what I thought yeah. we were going to get. Yeah, and I just, another thing that, <sighs> the it takes a lot more oversight to catch something like this. And you would have to have cleared the entire promo to catch something like this. But we've talked about where, if I'm just an AEW Dynamite viewer and I'm only watching AEW Dynamite and that's it, I don't know what Birdie means. I know we said, don't talk about my kids, but he says, hey, Birdie. Like, I, most people don't name their kids Birdie. So I don't know if a lot of people caught that that's what he was saying, but I think he still got the idea, right? That, that he was talking I, to the kid. Yeah. I think, I think you got from the crowd's reaction that that's the kid's name. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Justin Floor in the chat says Brian will keep bringing up MJF's ex-fiance to annoy him. So that yeah, if they spent next week where maybe Brian Danielson's on the attack, saying like, yeah, well, fuck you, because we've seen Brian Danielson do that in a face capacity where he'll just mm -hmm. ream the heel and get the heel raging pissed. I guess that might be the best scenario we can go moving forward here to to keep stalling because that's what they're gonna have to do is stall for another. Well, week. Well, I tell you what. Let's not forget the subtle detail of Brian Danielson's character. He still walks out from the heel side. I know mm -hmm. he's babyface in this story, but he has yet to ever go back to the babyface tunnel once he started the feud with Hangman. So don't think that he wouldn't fucking bring her out and start making out. Listen, with her. I, and know, I know we like to talk storylines you know I mean? here, but if I'm pulling back the curtain, that's just Brian Danielson trying to be a rebel. <laughs> that's him being like, I'm going to fucking walk out over here because like your rules. Well, he's mentioned it before. Remember when he had the yeah. injury and he said, hey, I've got my opponent lined up for Forbidden Door. You want me to tell you? And everyone's like, yeah. He's like, you forgot that I walked out the heel side. I'm not telling you. You'll find out of the pay-per-view. and just walked off. So, again, I'm just saying little details that hopefully we get a payoff on. Hey, so then we go backstage. Uh, let's move it on here. So we go backstage. Jamie Hayter is back there with Britt Baker, DMD. And she says... Well, I got to wrestle at Revolution, don't I? So who am I going to wrestle? Should it be Ruby Soho, who's fucking generic and boring, but has fun tattoos and a cool walkout song? Or is it going to be Soraya, who's, you know, past her prime six years and moves slower than Matt Hardy? I don't know. Well, how about both? It'll be a triple threat. And so that's what we get. Nobody moves slower than Matt Hardy. Have you seen Soraya's matches? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, Tim. Yeah. Have you seen Soraya's <laughs> matches? All right, hold on. I'm going to petition that you you wear the glasses that way all the time now. Bring them. That kind of hurt my nose. But maybe. Yeah, for anybody maybe. that missed, you know, we're we're live. You know, we got we we went live halfway through the show. 
check out the YouTube for the full episode later. Um, Tom's got glasses now. Tom's Tom's mm-hmm. joined us old guys here. Eyes and, are dying. Isn't right? that great? T- Tom's got glasses. I've got custom orthotic insoles, right? It's fun. We're old guys now. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> All right. So then we go back into the ring and we do this tag team battle royal, which was not explained well because I didn't fucking get what the hell 2.0 was doing the entire time. <laughs> the, Until then, it made so sense, right? Jeffrey well, Sills in the chat. Like, Jeffrey Sills in the chat earlier said Tim and Tom should be the fourth team in that fatal four way in Revolution, only for Tim to get hit with the stroke. And Tom is getting that Jay, Lith- Jay Lethal finisher he hates. Um, I mean, oh, hey, yeah. they're going to pay us. I'll, I'll take that spot. Well, I don't even know if I'm that good of an actor to wait that fucking long for Jay Lethal to run past me, run past me again, do a fucking stupid whatever it is, and then a cutter that everyone does. Man, I tell you what, <laughs> after, after Max Caster ethered Jay Lethal, I can't look at him again. When he said, you've been in this game for so long you were the one that was mimicking macho man now you've been in the game for so long and no one mimics you mm. i was like god damn you're done like just hang him up because mm-hmm. and then when cody if you recall go back to cody's last promo in AEW before he left for wwe he talks about i might not get a chance to cut this promo so i'm gonna do it here and he talks about jay lethal and he's like it's the only cutter in the business you want to stay away from god damn That's also when he said, oh, Brody King has the audacity to come here and call himself Brody because of Brody Lee, you know? And it's like, easy. We've had other Jeffs, you know what I mean? Like, it's not exclusive, you know, but anyhow. uh, Very common name. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Jay Lethal just keeps on taking L's this entire time. And here's where he took an L, because this was fucking dumb. So we get this tag team battle one. It's now the TNA. match, though. I mean, first of all, the crowd helped. The crowd was into it from the jump. But I, I, I love a good battle royal when it's done well, and they told a lot of good stories in this. So I thought overall this was fun. I thought this should have been longer, and some of the things should have been featured more. For example, Roosh and the Lucha Bros. That was fucking cool, and we got it for like forty-two seconds. Yeah, right. You had. Uh, you had Ozzy open in here who I didn't know was on the AW roster fucking just be forgot about like, Oh, Hey, they're going back to Australia. See ya. And you got, you got Mark Briscoe fucking running out here like a psychopath taking out Josh Woods, who I thought at the time was in the match. But again, because nothing was fucking explained. It was actually Ari yeah. Davari and Tony Nese. <laughs> Yeah, what? I, first of all, that aside, if we can get more of that out of Mark Briscoe, if every time he's in a feud with somebody, he's just going to randomly run out and find them <laughs> and just in whatever they're doing. He doesn't yeah. care what segment it is, what professionalism. He's just like, I'm bringing the fight to you. I, I would love it. Oh, my God. This just came to my my mind just off the top of my head. Think of a just we're trying to kill ourselves and each other type of feud with Mark Briscoe and Darby Allen. Could you imagine Mm. just them fucking going at it everywhere? That would be the shit. Cause yeah, Mark Briscoe. Cause what I was thinking is like, you put Mark Briscoe in that role where he just, he's going to get you whenever you don't expect it. 
you have to have kind of a monster. And I was like, Oh, Samoa Joe, that'd be cool. But then Samoa Joe kind of did that with Darby Allen. And then I thought, Darby Allen and Mark Briscoe. Jesus Christ. Those two would go fucking wild. But anyhow, so we get to the very end. The team that should have won gets eliminated. The best friends and Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal are your fucking winners here. They showed a clip of that promo of the best friends that they should have showed more of. Oh, where they acknowledged that they were yelling. Then they didn't know why they were yelling. And they were like, I guarantee. And he's like, no, I shouldn't guarantee because it's, if we're being honest, like it's weird, it's crazy. And you never know, but like, yeah. we're going to try really hard. <laughs> That's the best. They yeah. are so good. Yeah. I don't, it has to be something in their deal where they're like, Hey, we actually don't want to work every week. So we're going to take, you know, two weeks off in February and a week off in April. And so Tony Khan is just like, all right, well, then we're just not going to push you because they fucking still kill it when given the opportunity every time. Jeffrey Sills in the chat says Aussie Open should have won. And man, I don't, I don't, Aussie Open might as well close for me. I don't know nothing. Well, no, them. I mean, look, they're better than Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lee. <laughs> well, yes. Anybody should have won over any of the teams at all. That's what I'm saying. I, I would have yeah, taken it, Josh Woods and what? Well, maybe not Josh Woods and. Devari, Tony Nese. Yeah, Tony yeah. Nese. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Who's Devari, who was Davari a tag team with? I forgot. Who was he with? Tony Nese. Oh, Tony Nese. It was Davari and Tony Nese. Right. And but Josh, Josh Woods, Woods was out there. He was outside the. But again, I thought he was in the match because they were all out there. And so I was fucking confused. And I, I don't. It was convoluted. Another just fucking, hey, you know what would be cool? Just to have everyone start out there right now. And ugh, yuck. So anyhow, those fucking people are going to take the pin at Revolution won the match. And then what happened after that? Uh, the House of Black. The House of Black does a promo and they say, we want the trio's titles. Now, we don't like to talk about backstage and all of that stuff because we don't know. However, I do want to say this. I was planning on going next month to Glory Pro in st louis i was gonna just pick you up we we're gonna go you didn't know that yet but i was gonna go that's... eddie kingston was going to be in the main event that's why i was like let's fucking meet eddie kingston again he said he'd do yeah. the interview if we saw him again he liked us he facetimed with shark bait all the stuff right then i got an email on monday unfortunately eddie kingston is injured when he had that match with jay white for new japan he won't be able to make the glory pro show because of an injury sad. So now that makes sense of why the house of black just kind of dropped the Eddie Kingston Ortiz thing. Yeah. And now is saying trios championship again, storyline wise doesn't make sense, but because I got that email, I was more forgiving of this, yeah, which well, pretty but also if I'm just watching dynamite, it doesn't feel like a, storyline departure because i haven't seen too much of that right yeah um, but you know what i'm saying but what i'm my takeaway from it then was all right here we go house of blacks back right doing their spooky promo again and i i feel just like we, we need them to hit on something right i need them to win these these trios titles or something i need them to do well something. So here's where I have a little bit of confidence. Two reasons why. One, it's with the elite. And the elite are 
executive vice presidents that when they say, we're going to make this a main event, Tony Khan of like, okay, sure. Right. So they're going to get the opportunity to hit, like you said, they're going to get their opportunity to be full maximum, scary, spooky, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So that gives me some confidence that maybe they can do something. Also, as we've seen in the past, the Young Bucks, when they won the championships the second time around, held it for two weeks, lost it to uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, and then just moved on, right? So if we do have whatever's planned for part two of the Elite, them losing to the House of Black, they're not going to put their foot down and be like, no, we got to keep these titles. They're they're open to doing business. And it seems like they like all these guys. They like uh, Malachi. They like Brody King. Yeah. And they like Buddy Matthews breaking kayfabe, like in the back, right? So I have confidence that if they are going to be something, this is their chance. Like, you can't miss on this one. Yes. I like Jeffrey Sills. Or no, it's Justin Flores' comment here because I'm going to piggyback off of it. He says, whose spooky promos are finally going to mean something? The House of Black or Bray Wyatt? And I need the House of Black to be less Bray Wyatt and more Ministry of Darkness, right? I need something to happen here. I need them to, like, do something to somebody that makes us go, like, oh, right? Like, they need to they need to do something a little dark and a little evil, right? Right now, you're just talking spooky, and you guys look like you want to be goth kids, right? And, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you're going in there and fighting, and you're tough, and you're having wrestling matches, but everybody is. I need mm -hmm. to do something that we go, Jesus, guys, too far. <laughs> like, let's let's do something. They, they flirted with that a little bit. Remember when Brody King won the Battle Royal and was choking out? Darby Allen and then just mm -hmm. dropped him like a sack of potatoes and I was like fuck that yeah. guy. That was cool. Let's get right? some Stuff like nearly that. satanic rituals going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sacrifice the Christian boys. Remember yes, the Christian AF. Yeah. Yes. Sacrifice them. Crazy. Uh, yeah. That'd be crazy. Hang them upside down or something. Right. Let's. Oh man. Hey, so I'm watching uh, Ring of Honor because I told you I got the Honor Club. You know, I'm watching yeah. past mm -hmm. uh, Ring of Honor. There was a fucking segment, Tim. I have to show this too. I'm going to probably try to find it and send it to you. There was a fucking segment where Jimmy Jacobs, and I think it was a Briscoe. Now I'm forgetting on who it was, but they cut this fucking guy up, right? He's bleeding pretty bad. Then they fucking tie his legs together, put him up in the air, hanging upside down, Jimmy Jacobs is cutting a promo while the guy's blood is going on his white suit. And he's like, we're taking over. Everything here is ours. And just blood drops Ugh. are just hitting him as he's cutting it. And I was like, this could be the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, I thought the motherfucker up there was dead because he was bleeding yeah. so much. And Jimmy Jacobs, I, white suit, which was a fucking key point. Yes. It's just, mm -hmm. oh, it was so Something. Cool. So, it doesn't even have to be that. Like, let's start, like. Just doing something to somebody. I understand it's 2023. We may have to like meet TBS's requirements or whatever it is. No, but like, let's do something, right? Lock somebody in a cage with with the bats or something, right? Like, let's do something to where we're like, Side oh man, these guys are dark. Yeah. They're twisted, right? These are the guys that are going to stab you in the back alley when your car breaks down or whatever it is. Side note, side quest here. Uh, 
fuck out of here. I'm so goddamn tired in 2023 that everyone's acting like things can't be said or things can't. We can fucking do everything. Of course we can. Everything that we did way back in 1998 is being done right now. The only thing is, is now there's consequences and people can write you back on Twitter. But you can still do all the fucking shit. You want to have bikini matches? You can fucking do it. You want to do... uh, hog pin matches with triple h and uh, phineas godwin fucking do it like you can do whatever you yeah. want it's so fucking dumb yeah. how we act like we're a better society we fucking suck as people yeah, man Ooh, kidnapping shit. the young bucks and kenny omega and smearing them with some blood from goats and chickens as jeffrey's still saying the chat here we can do that let's do yeah. it let's it do easy. let's get weird yeah and we can because Fucking every channel does it. There's no difference. We could have Jerry Springer right fucking now doing fist fights with trailer park kids and fucking people get upset and it'll have high ratings. I don't follow this stuff, but I remember CBS for a long time bragging about being the number one show or the number one network in the evenings. Right. And they show a lot of them law and orders and stuff where they have people dismembered and shit on the show. Right. Like and rape and like. All yeah. this, like, like they show the gore. Like, let's, let's, mm-hmm. if we're doing the House of Black, and these guys are that, right? They're, they're, I'm to believe that the type that they have goat skulls and stuff hanging out and they're doing seances and stuff, right? Like, that, like, they, they believe their own shit. So, why aren't mm-hmm. they doing something that those folks would be doing here? Yeah. Why are they just talking? Yeah. Why aren't they doing something? I'm just, I'm just tired of this notion. And it's not a pro wrestling. Uh, criticism it's a society criticism that we can't do anything oh my god could you imagine if they made 40 year old virgin right now yeah yeah i fucking can every fucking movie they've ever made could be made again it doesn't fuck anyhow that's side note um then we go to tony khan has a big announcement and let's do a quick side quest and talk about what we're going to talk about and let's do that now so tony khan uh was in the news a little bit uh this week before dynamite and the reason was going into wwe elimination chamber which was taking place in montreal they decide wwe that they want to do a segment with ariel hawani who did a voiceover for him and then they said hey we're gonna put him in the crowd which he's done at other events of ufc's bellator strike forces I think he's even done an AW where he like gave a match prediction when they were. Yeah. Th- yeah. He did a match prediction during COVID for, I think it was Jericho and orange Cassidy. And he does this segment here in Montreal. Cause he's from Montreal. Canadians are Canadians. They pat themselves on the back. They love, they love Canada. They love, love Canada. Right. And so he's doing this segment about uh, Sammy Zane's going to be the fucking man. And on Twitter, Tony Khan acts like an infant and says, Ariel, and at mentions Ariel, Ariel, you're a fraud. You're about as legitimate as Tony Schiavone, which kind of is not great when you talk about your own guy. You could have said Michael Cole, but you said Tony Schiavone, which was weird. And he even at mentioned Tony Schiavone, I think. Then after the show, Ariel responds and says, uh, Thanks for watching, Tony. And by the way, uh, Shivani, uh, don't believe what the snowman has to tell you. I think you're a legend. Alluding to snowman not being that Tony Khan likes the winter 
that Tony Khan likes the cocaine. Might like the winters in Columbia. Right. And so then Tony Khan says, keep up your unbiased journalism. That's how it ended. So then from there, WWE takes shots at Tony Khan using Ariel Hawani saying, here's Ariel Hawani in the crowd with George St. Pierre, the unbiased journalist uh, who asked the hard questions, even though you don't want to answer them. And then Ariel goes on the MMA hour, which is on Mondays and talks about the situation and just runs down. Tony Khan calls him just the same as Dana White uh, calls him a fraud as well, says he doesn't know what journalism is. And, and then that's kind of where we leave it. So I want to talk about that because you've obviously heard of Ariel Wani. We've talked about him in past episodes, but you may not be familiar, you know, distinctly with his work. Obviously, you know, Tony Khan, because we talk about AEW each week. What do you think about this whole mess that I just described? I mean, I, Tony Khan would do well to have maybe a publicist or media relations person tell him, hey, maybe it's time to pull yourself back out of, you know, of being on screen, mm-hmm. running your own Twitter, doing that sort of thing. <laughs> that would be my professional advice to Tony Khan. I'm not a CEO of anything, so maybe he doesn't listen to my professional advice, but hey, whatever. Uh, but yes, first of all, with Ariel Hawani versus Tony Khan, these two have clearly just disliked each other. I don't know. Maybe they're battling for the same girl or whatever, right? Like they don't, well, they just like, so you they, know, that person that you just never liked. Like that's the feel I get between these two. Well, so the origin of their kind of disdain for each other, if you want to call it that, is MJF does the Ariel Hawani uh, show and does an interview an hour long where he kind of, as MJF does, blends the character in real life into his answers. And as the story goes from both sides, I guess all three sides, because MJF, I think, also confirmed it. uh, MJF didn't get that interview cleared with AEW to be on Ariel Hawani. Now, Ariel Hawani, I'm familiar with. Uh, I'm one of his original Substack uh, supporters, so I get to do private Zoom calls with him from time to time. I've watched his stuff since AOL Fan House in 2009, all the stuff, right? And Ariel is notorious for, I don't mess with PR. I'm not calling your fucking agent. I'm not calling your manager. I'm calling you. If I want to talk to you, that's who I call, right? I'm talking to you. And so that's how he handles the pro wrestlers as well. It's like, I'll call you. You want to do it, get clearance from whoever you need to, but I ain't talking to him. So what's up? And so Ariel was just like, I'm not doing that. So that's kind of where the friction started. Then Tony Khan does an interview with Ariel Hawani and Ariel Hawani, who does ask uh, hard hitting questions, generally speaking, which we'll get to, uh, keeps hammering home brawl out. Hey, what happened? Hey, well, how would you feel? And every turn, Tony Khan's like, I'm not fucking answering. Not answering. I'm not answering. Yeah. I'm not answering. Then a few weeks later, Ariel Hawani on his MMA show takes questions from uh viewers. And uh we we still there? Yeah, we're here. There you go. Okay. And um and he, he gets the question of, hey, uh, what was the most difficult interview you've ever done? And again, he's been doing interviews for 15 years and he goes you know which one wasn't the greatest tony khan and so then that's where kind of the aw stands came after yeah. Ariel, right and so then fast forward to this situation so that's kind of the backstory of them 
Yeah. Well, so to me, it's just, you know, and Jeffrey Sills even says this, and you said this at the time where he said, uh, keep that same energy you kept with Tony Khan and asked Triple H about his father-in-law. Ariel is a WWE fanboy and Tony called him out on it. And, and yes, I mean, you're right. This, the thing with, with Ariel Hawani, and I don't know him enough. Like I, I don't follow MMA like you do. So I don't know of Ariel Hawani in that nature other than I know who he is. Right. Especially mm-hmm. knowing you. In this situation, he has always felt to me pompous to a level that, like, didn't feel like, I don't want to say he didn't deserve it, but in this idea of, like, like you're saying, well, I don't call publicists and, and, and agents. I talk to you and then you clear it. Like, to me, Ariel Hawani's not a name that, like, you can be upset when you get some blowback for that stance because that's the way... Everybody in the fucking industry does business, man. So, like, if you're saying you're you're not doing that, cool. But you have to understand when people are like, oh, well, then I can't fucking, you know, I don't respect you. Right? Like, then you have to take that on the fucking chin, man. Because you made that decision. It sounds like he's mad that somebody said, like, oh, hey, yeah, fuck you, by the way, for not playing ball like everybody else. Right? Like, that's that's kind of what was said here. And, yeah, to me, it's always been that, like, there's been something there between him and Tony Khan that calling him unbiased in this regard and pro wrestling is just completely false. On the Tony Khan side of things, man, this guy feels like exactly like what he appears to be. A kid who's grown up with a lot of money and never had anybody telling him no and now is in some serious things without somebody overlooking him and he's on his own and he's, and he doesn't quite know how to handle it like an adult, uh, executive professional. Yeah. So I've got a lot of thoughts on this. So buckle up, strap <laughs> right. it in right yeah, yeah. here. Cause we're going to, uh, we're going to go on a ride here. Right. So this is kind of how I feel on both sides. First general statement. So that if you don't follow anything else, I say, this is how I feel. They're both fucking wrong in this situation and it's and it's mm-hmm. and it's too small from both of them to act how they are so from the aerial side aerial wanting yes from the mma world he asks hard-hitting questions he puts people's feet to the fire and he'll get things awkward to make sure that he gets the answers that people are wanting that's why he's so popular that's why he is the 13 time consecutive MMA journalist of the year, according to the MMA awards that they do every year in Vegas. Right. There you go. Right now coming over to pro wrestling, as you mentioned, if the pro wrestling world says we got to go through this way, then you fucking play ball to a certain regard. Like I get you do it your way, but when someone says, Hey, we didn't like that. As you mentioned, take it on the chin. Right. Well, and just now going, don't, even if you're not going to play ball, don't act shock and act like you're the victim when people then say, now nah, fuck that guy, he's a dick. Because, like, right. you, you you meant to be one. Yeah. So now what Jeffrey still says about the Triple H interview, which is causing a lot of uh, friction with uh, pro wrestling fans. I side with the pro wrestling fans because, as mentioned, Triple H, he does the interview for an hour, ask fucking zero questions about Vince McMahon zero fucking questions to triple H who just took over that position from Vince McMahon. Right now, fast forward to this situation. This is where he looks like a fucking tool is for him 
to be like, oh, what a legend, Michael Cole, for saying that line. And I popped the boys. He's using pro wrestling terms. Well, I popped the boys in the back and they're giving high fives. It just, I just want to be like, brother. And then he says that Tony Khan is just like Dana White. And I just want to like, brother, do you know who the fucking largest shareholder is of this fucking company that you're holding the flag for? It's a sexual predator. And if you want to compare things, I'm going to take the cokehead over the sexual predator 11 times out of 10. So I don't know what the fuck you're so boastful about that WWE has your fucking back. Because who the fuck cares about those monsters? Those fucking monsters, right? And they only have your back because they can snide and point at at a shared enemy for now. As soon as that shared enemy is gone, we know how that goes. Yeah. So there's where it's like, man, you did fuck up the the Triple H interview for what it was when then you go after Tony Khan trying to get those answers, which... I didn't necessarily hate as a reporter, as an interviewer. That was the story that he wanted to talk about. That's the story that people wanted to talk about. You ask the questions, you get the no, fine. But then, like Jeffrey still says, keep that same energy when talking to Triple H instead of, hey, everything's cool, isn't it? What's it like to be creative now? Now, another uh, layer of this story, Nick Khan, now CEO, even though not largest shareholder, Nick Khan was the agent for Ariel Hawani before he left and took over in WWE. So there's also some personal friendships that he has in WWE. So so by nature, you kind of can't be unbiased. And then on top of that, one thing that Ariel likes to say, which is not true, unfortunately, is he likes to say, I'm not a, I'm not a pro wrestling journalist here. Like I just like pro wrestling. And when they ask me, I come on and that's kind of fine. Generally speaking. And that's fine for anyone, right? You want to go get uh, fucking Tom Brokaw to do a story for you? Cool. But when Ariel Hawani goes onto Twitter last month and says, per my sources, WWE will not be selling to Saudi Arabia. The deal is not done. Now you're a fucking wrestling journalist. Now you're covering wrestling stories. So Uh, Ariel Hawani has always struck me as that, that guy who... You remember the phrase, he thinks his shit don't stink, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, I can say this. I push the hard questions. But anytime somebody says anything negative, it's like, ha, ah, it's like an affront. It is, it's a, like, he just, it's, that's the vibe I've got from at all times. Yeah. He can dish it, but can't fair. take it. And that's fair. That has been a criticism. Um, in certain, in other situations than this, I, I think I've sided more often with Ariel. And in this one, I've sided with neither one of them. Like if I, if I had the opportunity, I'd smack both of them. It'd be like that. Yeah. Right now. Just like you guys Tony should concept, just not hang out and never see each other and not talk about it. Or other. talk just about each, don't other, like each other. Just, yeah. just don't like each other. Everybody knows it. You don't have to prove anything. Nobody's going to think you're cooler. Just walk away, guys. Just don't ever. And talk. we both like you. Yeah, right. So like right. for the people like me, I still like Ariel. I still like Tony Khan, right? So now let's flip it onto the Tony Khan side. As you mentioned, it seems like he is a guy who has gone his entire life with saying, like, oh yeah, well, my dad will say that I fucking can do it. So what are you gonna do about it? Right. Now, this is what I'll say about that. Outside of just running this pro wrestling organization, he is also an employee of the Jacksonville Jags. And of the soccer team that I don't know the name of. Whatever Fulham, I think. other businesses that they own. Or soccer, right? Yeah, yeah. whatever that is, right? So don't There's probably 15 out- other boards that he sits on that we don't even yeah, know. Exactly. Who knows? Right. But with that being said, uh, don't talk out of pocket when you're also an employee of those other companies. Like, 
that's when you have to fucking grow up and get off of Twitter in that regard. Now he didn't cuss him out or he didn't do it, but it's also, you got yourself into hot water when you shouldn't have even said anything to start with. Right. The second thing I'll say about, or, or excuse me, about Tony Khan is man, I can pull up easily on a Google search, probably six or seven fucking photos of you and our good old buddy, uh, dumb shit Meltzer. And he says he's a wrestling journalist, but I'm pretty sure you haven't called him biased and all of that. So maybe shut the fuck up when yeah. Ariel just shows up on SmackDown. Yeah, so, I wouldn't like, hate this if, again. I, my advice is just Tony Khan just needs to may, maybe be behind the scenes, right? Somebody needs to get through to Tony Khan that like, hey, bro, like you, you only make yourself look worse every time you, yeah, every time you go out there. He does well when he does the, you know, Darth Vader is dead. That means it's time for Dynamite. Tune in right now on TBS. Or even what we got here. Hey, we've got a huge announcement. Let me bring in Adam Cole to make that announcement. Right? Like, great. Fine. That's what a a fucking CEO does, by the way. Mm -hmm. They come on. They go, thanks. Really appreciate everyone being here. This is a big deal. Let me explain why. Maybe you even make the announcement if it's something that's not, you know what I mean? too in depth but like or you go so let me bring up the vp of marketing to fucking you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, like here's the details more of this yeah. more of that tony yeah yeah and so again coming out of this i still like ariel i still listen to the mma hour uh, i still listen to his weigh-in shows on spotify live tony khan i still like his tweets when he talks about hey we were the number one show last night or hey we've got a big announcement next wednesday all that stuff so it's not like i dislike anyone anyone more it's just like you guys need to fucking grow up like it looks stupid on both your parts and you're better than that so that's how i feel so now let's get are into they, the big announcement are they better What's than that? that are they better than that i mean yeah well i thought right they should be better than that i should say so let's get into this big announcement so tony khan standing there with renee paquette oh, and he or, goes i gotta or let's get them in the room with a big bag of Coke and let's just see either they're going to come out. One of them is not going to make it out of there or they're going to be best friends. Again, my thing is like the Coke is irrelevant. You're, you're defending a sexual predator, Ariel. Yeah. Again, again, like, okay, we can all make jokes about him being a Coke head and everything, but like, I look, I, I don't know what Ariel Homani does, but man, you smoke something, you drink something like, come on, man. Like, well, and even if you do or don't, who cares? Like, yeah. if you get arrested for it, you you probably have a problem. Like, right. Go help. Right. But look at this, brother. What are we doing? Huh? Yeah. I have eight more of these. I'm fucking in trouble, right? Like, I'm not going to probably do some good things. But this is fucking legal. The only reason Coke has a bad reputation is because it's illegal. Shut the fuck up. It's fun. Be a fucking adult. Do some fun things. Yeah, have you ever done coke? It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's really fun. So I hear, yeah. (laughs) Really fun. Anyhow, so the big announcement here, Tony Khan says to Renee Paquette. We need a Tony Khan sponsor of the week. That's what we need here on the Spanish announce table. Instead of a beer sponsor of the week, we need a Tony Khan episode sponsor of the week. I'm fine with either one. Just. Tableshow at gmail.com. We'll talk to you. <laughs> hey, so Tony Khan is here and he goes, Hey, I got a big announcement. Renee Paquette's like, Okay, what is it? And he goes, Well, let's have Adam Cole fucking say it. Bye. <laughs> he just leaves. Yeah. We got to tweet the table about this one also. Uh, so use hashtag yeah. tweet the table throughout the week. 
Uh, yes, let me, let me hold on. Let me get oh, there yeah. first. So, uh, as you mentioned, yes, Tony Khan as a CEO and CEOs across many different companies will do the we have a big announcement nine times out of ten, though, they will say the announcement and yeah. then the details is filled in by someone else, right? This one, Tony Khan is just like, Yeah, bye. yeah why were you there? Yeah, let me bring in Adam Cole. <laughs> yeah, that one was weird. Yeah, that one was weird. Yeah, so if you want to bring up the all right, so now, use yeah. hashtag tweet the table on Twitter. We are at table show if you want to follow us, which you should. And we'll read it right here on the show. And this one is from at Justin Floor, who's in the chat live with us on YouTube. He says, I don't know which is more exciting to see a Tony Khan big announcement or Ollie Williams telling the weather. Hashtag tweet the table. It's yeah, cold. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, that was an odd thing for him to be there, right? He didn't make the announcement. And then Adam Cole comes on to, like you said, fill in the details, which again, e- even if that were the case, is Adam Cole isn't like an executive vice president like the Young Bucks and Cody were what right like am I to understand well that? so this is me just being a conspiracy theorist in a fun way I don't believe in those bullshit ones but in the conspiracy theory in the fun way let's go let's go back to the forbidden door uh do you remember who made that announcement wasn't Tony Khan it was Adam Cole Adam Cole was on the big screen. Now the president of New Japan and Tony Khan shook hands, like, okay, great. But Adam Cole gave you all the fucking details. So maybe, right? This is the second one where Adam Cole's giving all the legwork. Now, if I have the pen here or the pencil, right? This is how you should have done it. Tony Khan goes, Hey, we have a new show. It's AW All Access. It's going to debut next month. And the first episode is going to be with this guy. And then Adam Cole walks in and says, yeah. So next month I'm on the premiere episode of all access, which will, excuse me, which will also be my return to the ring. Like that's how you do it. You have Tony Khan fucking say the thing. And then Adam Cole, uh, and you say Adam Cole's going to be in the first episode. Isn't that great? Here he is to talk about it. Like that's the way you fucking do it. Idiot. But Nonetheless, uh, the announcement is AEW All Access, which they gave the details about. And it really feels like it's roads to the top without the roads. Yes. Remember that what did TNA did a show that was like after? Yeah, but that was script. I, I, yeah, that no, was that was a bit in kayfabe world, too. That's true. That yeah. This won't. Be, and again, yeah. This is this is this is going to be like total divas, I would expect more total divas than the TNA show that you were talking about. But it feels like roads to the top, except for, hey, let's just do it with everyone else randomly all the time. And Eddie Kingston went on to Twitter and he said, yeah, I'm in this. Uh, I didn't think I wanted to be in it. I cussed all the time, so I wouldn't have to be in it. And they said, no, you made it. It was great. And he's like, shit. So Eddie Kingston have that to look forward to. Here's what I'll say about this, though. Then I'll get your comments in just a second. You couldn't have done two fucking hours of Rampage? Remember my Christmas wish? Two hours of Rampage? They gave you another hour, and instead of adding on and giving time to the Murderhawk Monster and Miro and House of Black and Eddie Kingston and Ortiz, you say, ah, let's do a let's do an all-access show. That'll that's what will get the people in. Like, fuck out of here, man. Yeah, I don't know what this is. I'm not too excited about it, but I think it'll be fun, especially if Eddie Kingston's in it. If Eddie Kingston's in it, I think it'll be fine, right? But it's also I don't think it'll be can't miss TV, right? 
if Eddie Kingston's smoking cigarettes and cussing, that's must see TV. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it just feels like it'll be. I don't know. I mean, hey, if we can get some storyline advancements going on in there, maybe somehow. I don't know. You know. Exactly. And also, this is again where. Uh, I, I did a rant on this and I love rants. I got to the point where I do rants so much that my wife knows them and she just will go point to her head and goes like, it's in here. I know like, just move on. So I don't even get to rant to her. So I get to rant on here. So yeah. uh, here's the rant here is shut the fuck up. Meltzer and Alvarez and Keller and Sean Rossap with your fucking ratings bullshit. Oh, Rampage is now down 15% year over year. Well, they just got another fucking show. They're probably doing goddamn right. Right? So, like, could you shut the fuck up with your 1990s way of viewing how a television company is doing? You fucking dinosaurs when it comes to 2023? Jesus Christ. They're getting more money to do more shows. Wouldn't that say they're fucking successful? Yeah, you dumb shits. Can't stand those fucking guys. Shocker. I've said that a million times too. But fuck those guys. I'd love to interview one of them and just be like, you're a hack. You're a fucking hack who has some fucking friends backstage then just says what they say. Fuck you. Oh, but on Twitter, look at this. Oh, per source. Who's your fucking source? Kenny Omega, who's just having fun with you, you dumb shits. Go piss your pants, you fucking nerds. Hey, so then we go <laughs> to our main event. Yeah. And as we talked about, it is Evil Uno taking on John Moxley. And Evil Uno fucking brought the thunder with this match. He did. I Look, I, we talked earlier about how great Evil Uno has been and like how, how he's impressed us more and more each time we see him. And, I mean, he did. He held his own here. He went toe-to-toe with John Moxley, was all over the place. Hey, we got a John Moxley match where John Moxley didn't bleed, but we got a, the oh, other guy yeah, bleeding. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, um, so, you know, if if there's a knock to be had on it, I think it's there. But the way they did this one, too, was just like, Jesus, man, he was squeezing the blood out of him. Like, just, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, this was fucking cool. Here's the other thing that I'll applaud Evil Loon on. Let's all be honest here. He's not getting off the bus looking like Brian Cage, right? Like, not trying to body shame anyone, but he ain't a body guy, as they say, right? And so for him to get his first main event opportunity on Dynamite, at least to the best of my recollection, I think maybe he did a tag match where it was like uh, Hangman and the Dark Order versus the Elite, but you know what I mean, a singles match that showcases him. For him to say, guess what, motherfuckers? I'm going to take this main event opportunity and you're going to see a different side of me and takes his fucking jacket off. He he did this bare, bare chested. And that takes a lot of guts to be like, this is my main event. And you're going to see me in a different, complete way. Credit to him for doing that. Also credit to him for fucking doing moves that I don't think he's ever done before, at least in AEW, where he does that fucking front flip off the apron onto the floor on John Moxley. As you mentioned, he got cut pretty deep. John Moxley squeezing the fucking head out of him like his fucking ketchup out of a bottle. Just here we go. And he brought it. It wasn't long. It was about, what, 10 minutes or so. And Moxley gets the victory, as he should. But Evil Uno added that credibility to be like, you know what? 
I think he could beat some people. And so yeah. I thought everyone did well. Now, post-match is a thing that I think is interesting. You had talked about this earlier. Blackpool Combat Club seems like maybe they're flirting with the uh, heel side of, of doing things. And they come out and they start, you know, taking the boots to old Evil Uno because fuck it, I guess, why not? That brings out Dark Order. Then that brings out Hangman. And as you mentioned, Hangman almost gets the buckshot on him. And all of a sudden, I don't know, because his shoe came untied, John Moxley's fucking bleeding. So that's how we end the show. What'd you think? Yeah, I um, I think this was a good way to stall, right? We we Again, I think we've told the story of why they're mad at each other with Moxley and Hangman. But they worked in this Evil Uno thing, and I think they did it to perfection on this one, right? We got Evil Uno built up a little bit. Moxley still continues to look badass like nobody can touch him. And here we go, right? And now we've got this extra thing of, hey, man, both Hangman and, and Evil Uno have both said, don't come out no matter what happens. Don't come out. And both betrayed each other in that regard. But they're both doing it for each other, right? So where does that yeah. go in later on the backside? That should be interesting. But uh, and, I, I liked it, yeah. Yeah, and if you recall from that uh, promo earlier in the night with Evil Uno and Hangman, Evil Uno called Hangman on, on a shit when he said, when you tell us to stay back, I take that as, and I'm paraphrasing here, I take that as you're saying that we're not good enough to help you. And we fucking are. And I'm going to prove that tonight. So that's another aspect of like, hey, man, we're not just your pity friends. Like, we're yeah. your legit friends here. And it's that great story where we haven't really dug too deep into it. Yeah. But that great story of like, Hangman, we're your fucking friends. Like, we will always be here for you. And Hangman finally accepting friendship because he got yeah. burned so bad from the elite. Yeah, well, right. It's always been his fallback friends, right? The friends that yeah. he hangs out with when when he doesn't have other cooler friends to hang out with. And well, Evil Evil even stuck in there at some one of those discussions where he was like, "And if you were Dark Order, you would understand." Mm -hmm. You know, you're not Dark Order, which I, he's never claimed to be, but right. That was very specifically. You're over here, and we're over here. And again, if you want to if you want to psychoanalyze the hangman character, which can be fun from time to time, but you know, also it's like analyzing a Bray Wyatt promo where it's like, shut the fuck up. Right. But if you want to, you could analyze this that says hangman's never had true friends, right? When he was in the elite, he was essentially a young boy who was carrying the bags for the young bucks and Kenny Omega. And it was finally until he had a crisis of conscience that they kicked him to the curb. Then he finds the dark order, but he doesn't trust them because he never had friends. So he doesn't know what it is to rely on a evil Uno or a John Silver and things like that. And so that's the interesting part if they want to go down that road, because again, Hangman still, I think has, even though all that was overshadowed by real circumstances, in kayfabe world, Hangman still has that burden that lives with him where we could have been the trios champion, but I hit John Silver with my buckshot lariat and had to watch him get pinned. Like, maybe I'm not good enough to even be friends with these guys. We got some fun shit to say if we, we wanted to, but yeah, we'll we see do. what happens. Yeah. So that was AEW Dynamite. I thought it was good. I thought it was a decent one. Again, I think we're, a lot of it is stalling. To, to get to revolution and i think we've got another week to do so it'll be interesting to see if they can come out with anything decent here for just be another stall mode but i mean i mm -hmm. liked it overall i thought it was decent 
Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Nothing again it was bad except for Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho's typically bad. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh <laughs> the only other big thing that happened that I feel like we should talk about is man, Sami Zayn didn't quite pull it out of Elimination Chamber, which I don't think we would. And yeah. Tim, did, did you see that? Uh, wait, it was a shooting star. It was a oh, shooting star that's mm, now it's gone evaporated now. in the sky. See? You uh, Every time they get the opportunity, they prove it to us. We had the coolest fucking story in their fucking last six years in the Sami Zayn bloodline thing. Coolest story since the Brian Danielson or the Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. Or Kofi Mania. You could maybe even say Kofi Mania if you want to stretch, right? But like, yeah, it's definitely their coolest story in a while, right? And it didn't make any fucking sense, Tim. And this is why. It makes sense that Roman Reigns would win, right? But here's where, like, let's take a step out of kayfabe for a second. But eventually, Hangman is going, or excuse me, Hangman, uh, Roman Reigns is going to lose this championship, right? So why not do the first Sami Zayn match somewhere else do the rematch in Montreal, get Sami Zayn to win the fucking championship, and then also get Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to embrace in their home city. Because now they're going to embrace, right? Because then we go to Raw, and Kevin Owens, to his character's credit, is like, no, man, I said I was done with you. If you want help, go ask your friend Jay. And then just walks off, which is a baller fucking move from Kevin Owens, right? But we know, as grizzled old wrestling fans, that they're going to come together. But we're going to get the fucking hug in, what, Tempe, Arizona? Fucking Syracuse, New York? Like, it's not going to be the fucking same. So yeah. if you planned it correctly, you could have had all of that shit in this iconic moment where Canada is going to fucking lose their brain and it's fucking an all-time moment. And now, nope, got to have Cody, you know, the fucking guy that got booed out of the last company, got to push that motherfucker. He makes good decisions. Have you seen his neck tattoo? Fucking, what? Yeah. That guy? Not yeah. Sami Zayn. It all feels really underwhelming, but so does, I mean, that's why we stopped watching a lot of that company. I feel like it just, it's always underwhelming. You know, uh, my wife asked me because we heard a commercial on the radio when we were driving somewhere. I forget where we we're going, but we heard a oh, it was a ticket giveaway. Someone won two tickets to SmackDown. They're coming here on St. Patrick's Day, Friday night, right? And Emily's like, "You gonna go to that?" And I said, "You know what? I'm not." And she's like, oh, "What?" I go, "Outside of Sami Zayn specifically, the whole Nothing fucking else. thing is boring. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking boring." Yeah, I I stopped going to their events here a long time ago for that reason. I'm like, man, every time I'm there, I'm really I'm checking my phone for three hours and I'm ready to go. Yeah, you yeah. you get a cool 650 splash from Ricochet, and yeah. that's it. And so like, I don't know. Wednesday, that Wednesday is when Dynamite comes. That weekend, here's you know you want to know how I'm spending my money. Uh, the next day, the Saturday. Kevin Nash is going to be here. I'm going to meet Kevin Nash instead of fucking spending my money on watching hit row fucking do 
untimed raps over a beat that doesn't make yeah. sense. <laughs> well, speaking Fuck of spending them. your money, you should go to SpanishDownstable.net, hit our donate link, spend some money there, go to Pro Wrestling Tees, search for Spanish Downs Table, spend some money on our shirt, uh, and then, uh, you know, use hashtag Tweet the Table and join us here next week. Uh, unless you got anything else, Tom, to... to Well, what do you think? Hold on. What do you think happens? Yeah. So we, we got Sammy loses. Sammy says, hey, Kevin, let's team up to take down the bloodline. Kevin says, nah, fuck you. Yeah. So what I mean, is I think it? What we do get you- it. I don't know how we get there, but they're just going to play more of that. He's going to keep getting beat up. One of them is going to keep getting beat up, or they both are, and they team up finally. We get the mega powers reunite or whatever. Well, and- well, but then what happens? Because the interesting part, and I will say this, the interesting part, though, is what happens with Jay and Sammy, the bitter rivals that are now I mean, best look, friends, I, apparently. The best story is that everybody ultimately takes down Rowan, and maybe they all help Cody win it. Maybe that's what happens is, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Maybe that comes after I think, Mania, even. I think Jay. backlash. Yeah. I still think Jay doubles down and says, I'm bloodline for life. This is my family. And that's how we get Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But I still think, look, Kevin Owens is great. And the Usos are the second best tag team in the world, in my opinion. I still think you do. You run back WrestleMania 20 where you say the feud is just like WrestleMania 20. The feud was Triple H, Shawn Michaels. And then the Royal Rumble winner was Chris Benoit. You do this where you say the feud is Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Cody's the Royal Rumble winner. Triple threat. Let's fucking do it for all the all the marbles. But yeah. we shall see. I love Sammy. Man, Sam I, love I love Sammy, but, but yeah, I don't know. I think they, they got him to the height they were going to get him to, and I think that's where we're going to leave it. But I think that's where we'll leave this. And uh, we'll just say join us next week on episode uh, 424 of the Spanish Announce Table. <laughs> The Spanish Announce Table.